0: Hi. Y'all hot, aren't you? Well, I'm hot up here. I want y'all to... I am hot with you, Jenny. Okay? I am hot together. Those of us from the 70s, remember, if you're hot, you're hot. If you're not, you're not. um I, just told me, there's no special music. So, um, I'm sort of going, okay doing, you know, so, so what am I doing, I'm preaching, amen, alright, cool, and I want to continue the theme we had this morning, by the way, kind of dealing with that, I really hope that um, this morning, you know, sometimes, y'all let me know if I do this, I give you permission, you know, sometimes, sometimes intentionally guilt is given, sometimes guilt's not given, you know, but if you feel guilty, I hope you had a message this morning that you didn't have to feel guilty about, that you can kind of go, you can process it though and go, you know, how does it work out in my life? You know, how, how does it? Because I really think this morning it was so refreshing to hear. And you should have been Wednesday night because we really talked about this. You know, uh, and that's not a guilt trip either. <laughs> just in case you <laughs> It's not a guilt trip. But but you know, we talked about, hey, God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need. In fact, God doesn't need us. He He redeemed us because He loved us. Amen. Not not because He. Now come on now. Amen. I, I, so he didn't redeem us because he had to. He just, he just loved us. And it was so refreshing to know that, you know what, I don't have to give because the church is going to fall apart or the kingdom's going to fall apart. I, I, if I don't preach well enough, the, the kingdom, you know, the, the whole world's going to fall apart. No, no. See, God's purpose is going to be accomplished in spite of us sometimes. In spite of us. And so it's really refreshing to know that. But that migration of whole thing was huge, guys. Because it really can happen ever so suddenly, and by the way, we're going to be Luke chapter twelve tonight. Another wonderful scripture about about giving, about migration of hope, about trusting God. A one we really need to take a look at. So Luke chapter twelve is where we're going to be. But I asked, I had to ask David this, Tyler, because I, I'm not, you know, I thought Lord Warf and said this, and I found, and i you know, you've you been a Broadway person, a play person, a speech person. I found that it was Oliver. I think he said it was Oliver. Where, where he looks at the guy and goes, Could I have a little more, please, sir? Is that, is that Oliver? Okay, all right, all right. Well, there you go. Well, that's kind of my thought. I was kind of raised that way, you know? In my house, there were a lot of mouths, you know? And, and you counted the piece of chicken and knew that two people or one person was going to get a second piece. And so you saw how fast you could eat your chicken and in hopes that you might get... Now, danger was... If you were reaching for the platter, you might get stabbed before. Okay? That was just kind of like the danger. But you kind of hope for a little more chicken. And when, when Judy and I were growing up, you know, young married people, um, we got married, you know. And, and I was in the Air Force. And it was, it was, we loved the Air Force. It was great. And, you know, we we didn't have a whole lot of money. I mean, like, here's how it kind of worked out. After we paid our rent, and, we, you know, of course, we tithed. Even then, we tithed. Paid our rent. Paid our utilities. I think we had a car payment in making those times, in those days. and And then... Um, we had $25 left for two weeks. And that had to be haircuts, gas money. Of course, back then, you know, gas was $0.32 cents a gallon, you know. It wasn't too bad and all that. But we would always treat ourselves to a night at Shoney's. And we'd do the Shoney's thing, and she would get the, the chicken thing, the chicken tender thing, and I would get the fish sandwich. I mean, it's like standard. That's what we always did. And then when we really wanted to splurge, we'd get dessert. And y'all, how many of y'all know what Shoney's is, even? Okay. Do you remember their hot fudge cake thing? Yeah? Let me describe it for you. Okay. Alright. You got a layer of chocolate cake. Then you got like that much ice cream. And then you got cake on top of that. And then they put hot fudge syrup on it. And then they put a dollop of whipped cream and a maraschino, one of them little red cherry things. Right on you got the picture? Well, you know, again, because I was raised in that kind of environment with he who asks his last piece of chicken, I'd always tell the waitress, I'd say, ma'am, can you just oozel-goozle a little more of that chocolate on there? I mean, I mean, I, I was brave, brazen and bold, and I'd say, could you just like cover it? Could you just sm- pretend, like, pretend like the cake is alive, and you want to smut it? Can you just... And she would come back, and I guess because I was young, there would just be chocolate syrup off the plate. And, you know, I just... And then, that, that, it didn't stop then. I, I guess I never... You know, I was always kind of like immature, like kind of in that area, you know, in the food area. And so we used to go to the barn, Jeremy, you know? And, and you, know, that's, you know, I wanted a lot of French fries, okay? I, I just want a lot of French fries. So, again, I got to know the waitresses, you know. So I would tell the waitresses that, um, hey, could I have a boatload of French fries? And it usually worked. I mean, I, she'd come back and, you know, Judy have like 20 French fries and I have like 40, you know. it's really, really cool. And so I, I probably should have done that, but I didn't, Jeremy. the truth, yeah. So anyway, so so one day um, I asked the lady for kind of a boatload of French fries, you know. And so I get the ticket, and she didn't quite understand me correctly. She said, can I have a boatload of French fries? B L O A T load of French fries, and so I, I got my extra French fries. And I guess supposedly maybe that night I was bloated. But the bottom line is, whether it's chocolate syrup or whether it's French fries, if God blesses you with a little more or you ask for a little more, what do you do with that little more? What do you do with the extras that might be in your life? And that's kind of what I want to talk about tonight. So in Luke chapter 12, it's just an incredible story that we have tonight. It talks about the focus of Jesus, and it gives one of those incredible parables. Let's read it together. The Bible says this. Then one from the crowd said to him, Now understand that Jesus has been teaching, and he's got a group of people here, okay? Now this is kind of cool, because, you know, he's been talking about something, all right? And then this guy comes up with something that is not like at all connected, okay? Not at all. It's kind of like remember when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration? All right, Peter, James, and John were with him, and, and they all fell asleep. And when they woke up, Jesus was transfigured; he's all glowing and stuff. And Peter didn't know what to say, so he works out and goes, "Let's build tents for everybody." You know, if you're in those moments, you just didn't know what to say, and something just got out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. Come on, I know you, I, you, y'all heard me do it. I mean, bleh, you know, it's how it comes. You know, well, well, you know, it's kind of like that. This guy. Really wasn't following the message. It's kind of like, you know, Jesus taught on something, and he says, are there any questions, you know? And, um, and he asked a question. Had nothing to do with Jesus' was teaching. So, so the, the one from the crowd says this, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, back in those days, he probably was not the older brother, okay? Because the older brother would be the one dividing. Okay, he was probably the one that got what was left. Okay, so if I remember the story right, the older of the siblings, the older son, would get twice. So really, if there are two sons, it divided into threes. Okay, and and the older son would get two-thirds, and the younger son would get one-third. Well, apparently, the older guy had just kept everything. Okay, now you have to ask yourself this question. What motivated this man to ask this question? You know, was it a moral issue? You know, some of us, in a lot of areas I'm this way, I'm just glad black and white. Okay? Sometimes just very black and white. There's right and there's wrong. And maybe he just knew morally it was wrong. It was just a wrong thing to do. And so maybe he's motivated by morality, saying, hey, what my brother did, this really is not about money at all. Okay? It's really about right and wrong. And this man, my brother, has done something that's morally wrong. Would you fix it? Okay? Now, it also could have been a financial problem. Perhaps he needed that third. Perhaps, you know, he was in a financial strait, and without that third, he was going to be financially strapped. So maybe he's asking Jesus a question. and said, look, it's not a moral issue with me. The bottom line is, I need the money. You know, I, my parents have died. My father died. My, my son, my, my brother's got the money. He won't give it to me. I need the money financially. Okay? Or maybe, third option, is it's a greed thing. I think this is it because of the story that Jesus tells Okay, so, so maybe he had enough money to live on, but he knew what was rightfully his. He knew it was his. And this ate him up, not on a moral issue, not on a financial issue, but because he wanted more. He wanted more. Perhaps he had, but he wanted more. And he had to wait and get more. Because his dad had died and left this inheritance, and he was supposed to get a third of it. And by golly, his green chief kicked in and said, I want my third. May my brother do this. And then Jesus responds in a kind of different way. He says in verse 14, but he said to him, man, and some translations are friend. That's really not a good translation. It's not used in the sense of Jesus calling his friend's friend. So man would probably be a better translation. Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you. Now, this is unique because, again, sometimes the rabbis would be tasked with this. Sometimes people would go to the rabbi and they were the family judge, okay? They would settle issues such as this. So the man wasn't totally out of line going to rabbi Jesus to get him to solve the issue, but Jesus' response shows something. Jesus saying, I'm a man on mission. Jesus saying, I've got a task to do and it does not involve me getting your business about your money. He said it has nothing to do with that. I love um, Luke chapter 9, verse 51, where the Bible says Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. Do you understand? Jesus was a focused man. He knew he had a date with destiny, and that destiny was dying for our sins. It's really incredible. He refused to let himself get sidetracked with issues such as being a judge about inheritance dispute. I love the fact that Jesus spoke, was focused. And may, I, may I propose something to you? That we need to be more focused? Should we be more intentional in our Christianity? Now, once again,
1: not a guilt trip. I want
0: you to keep this focused. I haven't been to. Um, have to die. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Watch uh, this one. All right, turn me, turn me all the nuts. life is not threatened, you know, we're not threatened personally, our family's not threatened, so we really don't understand, and so because of that, it's also easy not to stay focused. Jesus did. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus simply said this, sir, man, I refuse to be an arbitrator because it it is not going to scope the focus of who I am. But he did use that opportunity to launch into a teaching. The problem of most powerful parables on things and extra that we have in the So verse 15, the Bible says, He said to them, Take heed and beware. Take heed and be aware. Watch carefully and be aware. Be, be on guard against coaches, or be on guard against now, before, free. Against freedom. And you remember said this before, Greed's really hard to see. Mary, you still see it. I mean, you know, I hear people say, you know, I have a problem with lying. Um, I have a problem with this. But very, very, very rarely do you have someone say, I'm a greedy person. Because greed is so hard to see here. mirror. And you can see it in my life. And perhaps I can see it in your life. But when we look in the mirror, we do that James thing and we look in the mirror, greed is really hard to see. It's a sneaky one. And I was watching last night, I like watching travel programs. Here. Called Global Tucker that's on PBS on the SIU or or competitive stations, and she was in um, Bangladesh, and they went in to get honey out of, out of the forest, and the big danger was was the Bengal lions, or Bengal tigers. Okay, Bengal tigers are one of the biggest meaty and E tigers there is. And here's what he said. this school the was really fighting about. said, We're really proud of you him. Know, they were all sacrifices to their kids and stuff, asking them to watch over and protect them. And she's really afraid, okay? And the man told her the lion always does two things. Or excuse me, the tiger always does two things. It attacks from the rear and always goes to the neck. So they were a they scarf around the neck, from the body, Okay? But he always comes from behind and always goes to the neck. Here's the same way. Greed will sneak up on you and weave its way into your fingers in ways you may not recognize. If you see changes in your attitude about things, about extra, be careful. It might be pretty trying to weave its way into your life. So Jesus says, on guard. have your eyes peeled about this thing called punishment or greed." And it says, something I we all know intuitively: but we don't know. It says, for one's life
1: does not consist
0: the abundance of the things he possesses. It's hard. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now that is so counter to our culture. Come on now, let's just be honest. We, each one of us, we, we understand that society said that we were labels and those labels somehow it doesn't, but society believes labels to find who you are. Again, the hard thing. You know, some of us want to drive a certain label of a car, and it indicates indicate prestige. Come on, really? A Chevrolet's no better than a license. And they both very, can be very nice vehicles and get the job done. But the common man might drive a Chevrolet, and a more wealthy man might wear a license. and we want that label. Um, well, this doesn't have a label on it. But I knew what I came. Before I came to the door seal, I didn't know about shirt labels. I guess I just figured it out. But when I came a door still. And that's where people say, hey, where's that? No six it. A show without a label cover, your body. a show with a label cover your body. But we kind of covet those things because it kind of helps define who we might be. And if our Savior non-most says one's so life does not consist in his lessons and things he says. Yeah, we're supposed to be. Able. You are not more or less of a man or woman because of the car you have, the house you live, the address you have, the label you have. Society will tell you it is. It is not. It's not. And by the way, let me just go a step further. If you happen to be one of those people, persons with weight issues, you know, society will see you as your weight. You're, you're not too size. You're obviously heading mm-hmm. to control, it, or you're out of control. Maybe, maybe not. Don't buy that, they believe don't let. Don't let advertisers, don't let society, don't let other people put labels on you. You would remember by the label that Jesus Christ put on you, and Jesus Christ said you are abundantly, abundantly special. When you're tall, short, rich, or poor, black, or white, doesn't matter. you're so special that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died. That's the label you mm-hmm. need to wear. Amen? In fact, the Bible just says you're a saint. If you, you want to say, I'm a saint. I'm mm-hmm. a You all want to say that? Say it I'm a saint. And you are. And you are. Not because what you did, though. <laughs> Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. you know, advertisers spend all this time saying, I watch, they've got TV commercials. You'll be more happy if you buy this product. You'll be more comfortable if you buy this product. You'll be more fulfilled if you buy this product. You know who's going to really love well right now? Zubu. Zubu. Zubu's about love. Is my love. And if you have a Subaru, your family's happier, and your life is more fulfilled, because you know places where other people cannot go. Don't hold it But don't make it You have a Subaru. Okay? So, so different labels say, but Jesus comes on and says, whoa, 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 your life does not consist in that. Your life does not, hey, the quality of your life does not. Oh, really? I mean, I, yeah, I guess so. You know, I like to be more comfortable. If my air works, I'm more comfortable. But really, my life is not deeper better richer because of the things come. Amen? It's not. But the advertisers spend billions and billions of dollars convincing us that it's something. You'll, You'll have more respect. You will look at it in a special way. If you a certain body town, have a certain body. Jesus says it's just a Your life does not consist of the abundance of the things that you Says. Now he ceased talking now to go to a parable. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, "The ground of a certain rich man yielded. So here we have a successful businessman. We have a man who is rich. He has to be a farmer. Okay, the ground that he had rented or owned, okay, produced a huge bumper crop." And he who was rich got richer. And then we would call this success. Well, how does America judge success? By the size of your bank account. How how does America judge success? Again, the car you got, the house you have, the title you have, the the prestige you have in the community, how well your name is known among certain samples, that is how the world judges success. So, this is a success story in the world's eyes. Here's a man who had done well, and all of a sudden done more well. I was going to say good, but that would not be good news. Jeff, that is not here. It would not be good us, right? So, so again, so he done. He was good, and went beyond that to better. All right. So now he faces the problem. What does he do with this success? It's a problem that all of us face. All of us face this. Okay. He says himself. He felt himself. What shall I do since I have no room to store my promise? Now, again, as a successful business man, he, he says, ask a good question. I need a business plan. I need a plan to determine what I'm going to do with this extra that I have. And again, you would say that's commendable. You would say, well, that's a very wise thing. Now, he has this, he has this abundance now. And so he is thinking, how should I handle this? He was the plan. America on his plan it the a great thing. All right? So we have that going on. All right? So he says, verse 18, 19. So he said, I will do. He reached a decision. He decided. Good leaders are decisive. Okay? I will do this. What is this? I will pull down my barns and build a you You for the longest time, I said, well, that's just great. Pain. And how does the stores do that? Like in the corner of 45 commercial or 13 commercial, they tore down that that garage thing and a whole shopping mall. Just tore the things down. So when we're the gas station, they sat in there. I said, "How crazy is it that they mm-hmm. tear down, down? They tore down a perfectly good Kentucky Fried Chicken area, and guess what? They built back in place a Kentucky Fried Chicken. Isn't that crazy? We is it all the time, but I was a little but so wait a minute. Maybe it's been in this story. He says, here's what I got. All these crops. I'm like, I am now an expert partner. Because Friday a week ago, I went out and voted to combine this. And we combined so many people. It didn't stop there. First of all, then we went to lunch to the apartment place and had lunch. Which all the trackers. I'm I'm an expert. Then I went with Danny on this, and I to him and the neighborhood thing. And they should square And then, he left me trying to attract it. You are looking at a tractor like I know about farming. Everyone knows about farming. They want to get that hay built up and put it in the truck in the barn because wet hay is not a good thing. Or A.K. Okay. That they, they we know what to do. Oh. A.M. or A.M. or or If I drove down, we're going to actually make flour with it. Some of the you are going to eat. I don't want to buy that. Uh. <laughs> and then when you get to so, the others, get too much moisture in it, they got you or refuse. So then, people were, so you got. I was on the scout of the less crazy than him, but there's a lot of He made it with time to go to the store. The problem's not here. He did have too much. So, short of, Give us this planet, I will pull down my barns and build racial. Why? Because he said, "I'm going to say to my soul, soul, hey, you have many goods. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Sure it was. He had, he had a bumper crop on top of already the rich. So he had lots of grain, corn, soybeans. He had a bunch already, okay. And then he did this, lay up for many years. I'm not going to mess up again." See, he's assuming that stuff equals time. In other words, how much stuff we have determines how many years we've got. Is that true? No, not at all. But he assumed that he had lots of stuff, so he would live for lots of years. The truth was, he had more stuff than he had years. A lot less, more stuff Years and stuff. A whole bunch more. So, he says this, he says, so many of you have laid out for many years take your ease, eat, drink, and be there. So here's he's this bumper crop, and by the way, interesting enough, 12 times in his little parable, so this guy uses the word, I, or me, or a personal program to himself. It's about me, 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 It's like seagulls and minin' uh, emo, you know? That's a bitch. Okay? So all he could think about was this, this must be for me. And he said, I'm going to sit back. I got lots, I got lots of stuff, I got lots of years, so I'm going to sit back and say, I'm going to eat, drink, and again, okay? Your ease. And we do that. We do that. Now listen, again, I know this morning, I'm doing my best. I hope. Somehow I hope I can first slide out. If someone said, what are you going to do, retire? I really don't know how to retire. I know I can't stay here forever, We you I hope it will be a place for old preachers to preach something, you know? And I really I mean I really hope that somebody can preach. But, but I do try to take retirement. And that's the wise thing to do. But the problem is, when I'm careful, we have a tendency to invest and mess and nest, and have all this stuff stored up, and then we came back and have a life of ease. I've told you before, retirement is not a good. they retired and took jobs other places. You know, Yes. Yeah. Was he a good leader? Yes. You know, he had a way? Yes. The word for God called him means without reason, senseless, without reflection, or acting rashly. I just spent 15 minutes about what a great leader he was, how successful he was, but nine in things pertaining to God. In fact, God said, you acted way too rashly, you acted too senselessly, you acted without reason, you've acted without reflection. You are foolish. You remember Psalm 14 1? Remember? The fool has set his heart, no God. The fool has set his heart, no God. It's a foolish thing to either declare a vision God or live in the of God. It's a foolish thing to, 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 to do your finances as if there's not a God. So God says, You're a fool. He What? This night, even in years, this night, he thought of the living old man. This night, your soul will be required uh, of you. We don't know coming up. We don't. We don't. This is scripture Psalm. Well, let's go to James first. This is James 14, 13 to 7. James 4, 13 to 7. Come now and say, today or tomorrow, what happens to such and such a city? Well, study here there and do this. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What your life will be. When you are like smoke that appears a while and then it enters. Instead, you should say, yet the Lord wills do will, this or that. But as it is, you boast in your worthless plenty arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Evil. So you give a sin of the person who knows to do what's good, Moses wrote in Psalm 90, verse 1. So teach us to number our days that we may gain upon heart. Lord teach us to value each day. Understanding some gift. God said, You're Israel. You're a fool. That's not your soul. It's only party. Then he asked this question. Then, here we go. It's a quiz. Then whose will those things Which you have provided. Who is going to own all the wheat, all the grain, all the soybean that you now have sent from the Lord of school? And the answer is. All about myself. Me, being, being my consumption, my comfort, my good, my, 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 is not risk for God. <coughs> I'm not sure I can give all of that in about one minute. If I can tell you this it involves helping others. I thought, well, really must believe it. the only explanation I can have, there are two explanations why I, I think Dorsal has financial <coughs> oh. success. Some a lot of you, some a lot of you have all the Bible Jesus up here. I know your things. And I think you just simply believe God, and that is one reason. I think we're still as a success. I know the church that I know of is so I think other reason is, this, we give it away. We gave it away. We think a quarter of a million dollars last year went to this church, other ministries, and mission costs. That's it, right? Not praying, I'm just telling you, I think it's one of the reasons why God has blessed our church. So is He who to the church for Himself, but is not rich to the Let me go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay for yourself, treasures on earth, where lot for us destroy, and where thieves break in steal. Lay for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither law nor us destroys, where thieves not break in still. Where your treasure is, what you treasure, there your heart lives. Oh, this is huge. It's huge, I think, for right now. People who are generous have a better quality of life. And somehow, I can't explain to you, but somehow there's a in heaven. There's going to be rewards, some kind of tangible reward for what you can do financially. You can't get it later. You can't go to the trailer to the purse. You can't get buried with the rain. I know yeah. just can't get it. A long time ago, back in common days, I met a couple of writers here we used to sing a song called The Whole One to Jesus. I see it in the first chapter. And the words were like this I have come to this ocean, and the waves of fear are starting to grow. I will hold on to the hand of my Savior. I will hold on with all my heart, my I will hold loosely to things that are fleeting, and hold on to Jesus. I will hold on to Jesus. Hold loosely the things that are fleeting, and hold on to Jesus. Hold on to Jesus. you there for the God. But be sure that it's not all about you. Be sure that there is a kingdom and God in all of you. Maybe God gave you that big house to have meetings, they have Bible studies. I heard ladies latest our church. We go all the way to Indiana and bring two kids to our church Hey, May God give you that power. Give us. There are ways that we can use the things that God placed in our hands very quickly. Look,
1: hold loose
0: the things that are filled and Jesus. Father, oh, thank you. This is one of those times I'm pretty amazed that you were. Jesus was an incredible teacher as you are protecting the truth and, and telling. When we can understand the rest.